Hello, everyone. Heidi Kumjohn here, the host of Lifelong Podcast. Thank you, as always, for taking time out of your day to listen to Lifelong. I have the pleasure of interviewing so many wonderful guests in the non-toxic and longevity spaces. And I am so grateful for all of you, especially those who have left a rating and a review. Those ratings and reviews really help my podcast generate buzz and thus help me reach more people. One of the goals of Lifelong Podcast and Holistic with Heidi is to break down those barriers of entry into the wellness space, especially the non-toxic living world, which can feel overwhelming, and by making all this information accessible to all. So the more that this show gets noticed, um, the more it pops up more easily on things like Apple Podcasts and Spotify and things like that. So please do so if you can. And then also, if you could go over to Instagram right now and follow at lifelong underscore pod, as well as at holistic with Heidi. And when you're listening to this episode, post it to your stories and tag us and tell us your favorite part of the episode. Love you all. Thank you for being here. And today we have part two with Maddie Miles. Maddie joined me on the show, episode 10, and was one of my first 10 podcast guests. She is a hormone knowledge queen, and she's the founder of Peace Love Hormones, which is a women's herbal nutraceutical company with three different formulas. My personal favorite is bitters. We're going to get into all those details in the show today, but Maddie is certified in integrative health and herbalism, and it is her mission to educate and empower women. So with that, please join me in welcoming the wonderful, the marvelous, the herbalist, Maddie Miles. Hey, Maddie. So, so excited to have you here for part two. Me too. Hi, Heidi. Hi, everyone who's listening. This is going to be a really fun episode because we actually were, we were just talking prior to recording and we're like, oh, shoot, we got to, we got to hit record because we are getting into it. And, um, we are going to hop back into what we were just talking about. But before we do that, Maddie, what is new with Peace Love Hormones since you've been on Lifelong last? Thank you for asking. I oh, I was very happy to see this question when you had asked me before. And so much has been going on, all amazing things. I don't even know where to begin. I honestly can't even remember the month that we recorded. I just know it was before... Braxton and I like uprooted our lives and went to Europe and then we came back to Austin and we moved into a new home. So a lot has happened in my personal life and for peace love hormones. Um, I think we got bitters released when we recorded our podcast episode, but if not, I released my long, you know, thought out and formulated bitters formula. <clears throat> 
And that released in July, and it supports digestive health, gut health, liver detoxification. On a very short-term, more acute basis, it supports digestion, so I recommend taking it 10 to 20 minutes before a meal. There are also studies showing that it supports blood sugar regulation as well, so for any of my ladies who are very passionate about blood sugar and who are already doing like the apple cider vinegar or vinegar trick before meals, adding your bitters as well, because it will help even more. And it'll also help just to provide that, it'll provide that support for actually absorbing the nutrients from your food and preventing bloating and gas. And then an herbal sleep formula, because all the time I am, supporting my one-on-ones in my private practice and also all of my lovely followers across all social medias and our podcast on how to take care of yourself from like a foundational standpoint and number one is always sleep and so many women especially really struggle with their sleep and if we're not sleeping well then more or less everything else that we're going to be doing is not going to work as well or perhaps not work at all, but it's especially not as efficiently as it would if you start off your day being well-rested. It's It goes beyond, right? it goes to like, a, it's a, from a biochemical standpoint, you're really, really supported and not starting the day off on a good foot beyond just like feeling great. Like we all feel great after a good night's sleep and then we feel foggy and we just don't feel right if we if we don't sleep enough so anyway I took it matters into my own hands <laughs> it was like I'm going to create an herbal sleep formula because I use herbs for sleep and um yeah I'll kind of leave it at that I'm super super excited for that one because people are having trouble with their sleep people are looking for resources I recently got your bitters, which so pumped about that. I have been for, I don't know, probably about 10 years I've been familiar with bitters. They haven't been something that I take regularly. That being said, when I was detoxing from mold illness, I really Learn, was learning about the importance of bile production and, you know, supporting all my detoxification pathways. So I was using food as medicine and bringing in bitter foods, you know, arugula and endive and um, green tea, you know, different bitter, bitter things in my diet because I knew how important it was to support those detoxification pathways and, you know, be strong in this toxic world. So anyways, I just haven't found a bitters that I've, a bitters supplement per se, herbal supplement that I guess that has piqued my interest until you came out with one because you and I are so, so aligned and I love what I love about you is that you are this perfect balance of science and research, but also this beautiful intuition. And I think when those two things combine, that's where the magic happens. So I'm like, anything Maddie launches, like, (laughs) I'm into it because I get a good vibe. 
and she's research backed and like this is all super exciting so that's just like my two cents i know i'm going super deep there just how to no, say that thank you for saying that thank you for saying that i think why well most people I, I honestly have met a whole lot of people outside of like my herbal community that actually understand bitters <clears throat> and the most bitter thing that the average american i would say average average Westerner these days is consuming is coffee, but then they're ha- they're adding like cream and sugar to it, so you actually lose the properties of the bitterness of coffee, pure coffee, being an extract. So mm-hmm. um, I, you know, why I decided to create one as well is because I wanted something that was a balance. So. Most herbs are going to work with your system as well, more or less, unless it's, you know, obviously there are those herbs that should have precautions, especially if someone is on a medication. But for the most part, and this is why I love plants, is that there's little to no risk for most of them. And now again, don't get me wrong, that being said, one can overdo it and there are certain herbs that should be used with caution, mm-hmm. especially if on a medication. But um, what I will say is that I think where it can get confusing with bitter supplements specifically is that there are some bitter supplements that are strictly have more of like a cooling effect on the body. And depending on your digestive issues, you may benefit from having a cooling effect or you may benefit from having a warming effect. And so what I was really going for is, you know, for example, I have ginger in mine which is a warming carminative herb and that was used to balance like the more cold herbs in my formula um such as like the artichoke leaf so oh, it's so a cool. balance yeah it's a balance and also like i digress a little bit going back to what i was saying before of like the little to no risk also herbs are more like adaptogens in the way that they're going to adapt to what you need more or less um some herbs are definitely more adaptogenic than others but like nonetheless they are and so they're going to just help your body rebalance itself that's like that's the goal um so and then yeah thank you for mentioning like that i do i do science i use research i I love that but i also understand that the more we're obsessed with science and research the less in tune that we are with our bodies and our minds and so i that's something that like I've been super cautious of, like going through my studies, going through school, reading research, but using it as, as almost like a supplement, a supplementary tool rather than like this is fact. Because, you know, it just also depends on like who is the research done by, who is it right. funded by. Right. Important <laughs> to know. know. Totally. Like was what was the who were the test subjects you know like was it a fair is it a fair representation of the population especially women especially women who are in their menstruating years you know Mm -hmm. which have a very different internal landscape than uh, a woman in her going through menopause so um anyway I, I love looking at research if you know but you do have to be super cautious in today's age of like what you know what is the quality of the research and especially for women like the the medicine woman you know that we have all inside of us to a certain point 
And I feel like the more that I'm out in nature and like nature bathing, that the mm-hmm. more I understand and more can like tap into this knowledge that I've had for my own body and that I've had this for like life all the more. And I actually, it's, it's funny or maybe not funny in the moment, but it's ironic mm-hmm. that I actually get, I've noticed lately, I get headaches when I look at research too long. I start to get headaches. It's almost like my body's like rejecting. Like even if it's like, you know, it's great research. I, it's still like, you're too much in the books, you know? Like your head is way too much in the books. I actually did a, like a shamanic Reiki type session there's no one word to really describe what the session was but Mm -hmm. I did it with a medicine woman here in Austin and this was a few months ago and she was like I'm seeing a lot of like books in your head chakra in your crown chakra and you know was like how do I interpret that and she's like you need to stop being so up here and so in the books and just live and listen Mm. and flow and that was super powerful for me. And, you know, even some of my favorite herbalists in the space, like Rosemary Gladstar, for example, you know, she is so keen on like women just starting off with like getting one plant or like starting to garden or even just walking outside without a phone and being in nature for a little bit and just listening. Like we have this, it's almost like when, you know, when a woman has a baby, it's like, you know, one gives you this handbook on how to take care of this human, but you just, your intuition kicks in. Right, right. And, for most and it's of been us, numbed like, too by our mm-hmm. society. Totally. And so for most of us, it's like that with plants too. It's like, we know what to do. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, I don't even know. I just, you know, got really far away from the initial initial comment that you had no this is really really good thank you it's really important to say because it gives so much um empowerment to those listening of like you know yes I I 100% am an advocate for working one-on-one with someone especially as you're starting off your journey but Mm -hmm. also like a great practitioner will encourage you to really go inwards and kind of figure out you know like we can only guide you and like Mm -hmm. provide what we know to be true what we've seen thus far to be true and experienced but at the end of the day you're the one who's with yourself 24 7 you know the ins and outs of your thoughts of your bodily and physical actions you know everything so you know anyway I I mean I want to like have a TED talk just on that because it's so powerful you should (laughs) yeah I really should and because you know we've just been taught that we that if something happens right like even Heidi you were sick last week and we've been taught that like if something happens unfavorable like you have to go to the doctor and and I'm not going to shame like shame Western allopathic medicine. I think that it does have its time and place for sure. I wish that we could work together more because if someone gets into a car accident or breaks their arm, which I have done countless of times throughout my life, you go. That's where we would use that type of medicine, right? It's mm-hmm. incredible, like truly mind blowing. Some of the things that can be done with Western medicine, if it gets to that point. But what I always have learned and have seen to be true with my own health and my health journey, which has been a very, very long and deep one and even treacherous at times, Mm -hmm. is that the knife should be last. 
So right. first is words. We we talk to and I'm forgetting his name. I just know he's based in Belgium and he was an herbalist, but it, you know, his his methodology was like it's words first. You talk to the person, you hear them out, which Western medicine tends mm-hmm. to skip over that part altogether. And yeah, then, they give you like seven minutes on average. And then herbs. And and then we do and also, you know, nutrition and lifestyle, but that's all kind of more preventative. I'm talking like if you're sick. Mm-hmm. Herbs. And then they added in like chemotherapy and radiation if they have cancer. And then the last one would be the knife. So I think it's everyone's goal to like be as far away from like, the operating room as possible. You know, but that being said, there's just this like ah, this like very strong belief held by many that we're so incapable of keeping ourselves well. Again, outside of that mm-hmm. situation, that acute situation where you, you know, got into a really terrible accident, <clears throat> and of course you need to go in there. Again, there's just this fear of ourselves. There's this fear of being alone. There's this fear of getting sick. There's this fear of all this stuff. And so, you know, we it's, see like the person in the white coat as like the God. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, truly where I have done the most work as well of like, you know, I, I rarely ever, ever get sick. I was telling Heidi this last week because I was like, you know, huh? like, of course, like, you know, if it, you know, right, like, if it gets to that point, where like, oh, no, I need to go be hooked up to a machine and really monitored. Of course, please do that. I'm not telling anyone that they shouldn't do that, that they shouldn't exercise that that right to have to do that. But I got really sick for the first time in like five years when Brax and I were in Europe. And it was truly a test of my my patience because it was in a foreign country. We traveled with, you know, very limited supplies, very, very limited because, you know, we wanted to bring carry on. So we didn't have to worry about, you know, checking a bag every single time we're at the airport, which is very frequently. And so, you know, I didn't really have a lot with me, but it was a reminder of like, no, I know what to do though. You know, like I'm sick. So I'm going to need Braxton support of like going out to the the local um, homeopathic store and getting me some remedies. But like, I know what to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's as uncomfortable as it is, you more or less just have to rest it out. You know, you just have to lay there I know. and sleep <clears throat> and not do anything um, and yeah. drink lots of fluid. So anyway, that to say, like in conclusion, I do not, shame western medicine at all i know a lot of herbalists and a lot of naturopaths a lot of those people who do and i i used to you know especially because i really went through the system and got sicker in the system and so i I had a lot of like anger and rage afterwards towards that but i don't want them to have the same for us and i know a lot of them do like oh the natural medicine Mm -hmm. quackery and like I just don't think that there's any room in our society for that I think that we should be using each other of like hey like oh you think something's broken like or you know whatever it is like go get screened go get you know checked at the hospital but like and then when you're there they're like oh you have a lot of information going on we see from this broken arm like we're gonna refer you to like Maddie and she's going to help you with like the nutrition and the herbs and the homeopathics to reduce the inflammation, to reduce the pain. So I think there's a, there's a space for both of them. I wish that there was more union, you know, and perhaps there will be soon. I think there's a huge, beautiful change going on that I've been noticing. And 
you know, even just, I, I saw a gynecologist two years ago who just straight up admitted that she didn't know. Um, it's one of the questions that I had. And I think that's improvement right there too, of like doctors assuming or anyone assuming for that matter of fact, whether you're a naturopath or, or not, assuming that, you know, everything is a huge, huge failure, I think, because no one knows everything. And mm-hmm. um, so to admit, to let down you know, your wall a little bit to let down like that ego veil and be like, right. Oh, I actually don't know, but I'm curious to know. And like, if you find out, please let me know. So, um, yeah, I think that's it's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, yeah, totally. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for sharing all that. That is all like, so beyond important. And I think the more we can emphasize this, this beautiful balance and reminding people, the more we can remind people that the answers are within you and that we can trust our body. And of course, you know, utilize resources like you said, but you can, you can use your intuition to kind of find out. You, you get that feeling where like, I really need to go to the emergency room. You get that feeling where you're like, if, if you're able to meditate on it, you know, maybe you get the feeling where it's like, okay, for example, I was I was sick recently and had a fever and it was very scary at points. Um and I was, you know, I was monitoring my heart rate and my oxygen and my temperature. Um I was also monitoring, you know, my neurological functions. Um just, you know, making sure I was fully with it and I knew that it it sucked and it was it was god awful, like the most uncomfortable thing ever but i knew within me that my body was was fighting and working and sometimes my mind would think oh this virus is is just consuming me this virus is consuming me and i'm like hold on let's flip that let's realize my body is so freaking powerful and brilliant and it's actually the reason i have this fever right now is really cool because it's fighting the pathogens and it's healing me. And the reason I'm tired right now is because all my energy is going to healing me. Um, so thank you so much for sharing that. I do want to move on to talking about birth control, you know, on this subject of Western medicine and, um, you know, this authority and, and fear. I, I truly believe that there is a pretty big societal issue with birth control being hormonal birth control being pushed on to women especially young women and even children <laughs> you know like teenagers yeah. young teenagers <laughs> um so in in the interest of cutting to the chase what what are the biggest societal impacts of having hormonal birth control being pushed onto women, especially these younger women? Yeah, it's such a, like, there's so many different avenues that you could take. It's such a, the gravity of that question is, you know. Yeah, it's pretty loaded. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's pretty loaded. Um, And, you know, I don't even know like which way to really, to really flow with it. But I guess, you know, first I just want to say that there's absolutely no judgment from my end. Um, If someone chooses to 
beyond hormonal contraceptive or beyond have an IUD inserted or an implant. There's no judgment from me. And I was yes, on it for same six here. years. Yeah. And I was on it, you know, I was on the pill for six years, but I also had no idea up until the end of my six year mark, what had been going on and all the, the havoc that the pill was wreaking on my body. And I didn't know this because there was no informed consent when I was initially getting on the pill and starting mm-hmm. to take the pill. And I was not alone in that. Most most of us have not received any type of informed consent when we go into the doctor's office, when we go into the gynecologist's office. This is for hormonal contraceptive, and this is also for most other medications as well. I was on a whole like load of medications growing up when I was very sick. And so I can speak firsthand on the the lack of education that there is. And there's, it's not even a question for the most part. It's a, you should take this, you know, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So I really am just a huge advocate for informed consent and making sure that it's very well known and explicitly stated all of the side effects that come from the pill, that can come from the, both the hormonal and the copper IUD implant shot, you name it. And to give a little backstory as well, like women, we've always wanted to, for as long as like we've been here, we wanted to have control over conception. This is nothing new, right? Um, you know, we want control in both of the ways we want to control if we do want to get pregnant, we want to control if we don't want to get pregnant. Um, so that's nothing new, but like the pill and hormonal contraceptive, that is actually new. And that is something too that I just don't think it's enough thought and attention is just how like in its infancy it is, right? And how many things have been like pulled off the market and then came back on the market or like never were taken off the market even for a split second, even though they should have been. And women's herbal text from as early as the 1400s, which is also right around the time that the European witch hunts were starting to happen, Mm. discuss a variety of contraceptive methods ranging from a hollowed out citrus peel loaded with herbs to be used as a diaphragm to herbs that could be taken to prevent pregnancy, almost like a natural plan B. Um, So, you know, it's no wonder that when the pill was released in the 1960s, yes, just the 1960s, so really not that long ago. Yeah, not long it ago. Seemed, it seemed to be this wonder drug. And it has provided women with an enormous amount of freedom, but in the birth control sense, right? Like in other ways, it's actually stripped us from a lot of freedom. And that's kind of where I want to go with this. Your The answer to your question of like, what are the societal impacts? And simply put, it's just the, you know, if you're sick, if you're not feeling well and you've had this liberation to a certain degree taken away from you, well, then so much can happen from just that, you know, that alone. And, and we see it, I mean, you know, the freedom in the birth control sense of having this like false perception that you're in control of your fertility, which you're still not, you're relying on something artificial, whether it's the pill, it's the implant, or it's IUD, you're actually relying on something else that's outside of you. And 
I've known many people, including my own mother, who got pregnant twice on the birth control pill. So, and we even can see from our studies that both perfect use and typical use. So those two are different. And that typical use is just means exactly how it sounds, how people tend to take the pill um, and how people tend to track their cycle if they're doing the symptothermal method, which is a form of fertility awareness. And so both the typical use and then the perfect use is if like you are taking your pill same time, same manner, every single day, not a day missed. And if you're tracking all of your symptoms on the other side for the symptothermal method, both of those rates are actually higher for the symptothermal method. So hormone-free, you're just tracking your cycle, you're tracking your biomarkers, more efficient than the pill actually. So wild. And this is not shared. It's just not shared. That's my biggest problem. That is my biggest problem with all of this. Totally, totally. And so, you know, I just I wanted to mention that too. And it's definitely more work for sure. Like I, Mm -hmm. I will not pretend like, you know, tracking your cycle is as easy as popping a pill into your mouth once a day. Um, But it's much more in my opinion, for myself and everyone else that I've seen who's adopted this method so much more liberating. And you actually do feel like you have more control. Um, And you know, your body, you know, it's this understanding when you're sorry to jump in for a quick second, but it is truly so, so empowering learning about the different phases of the cycle of the women's menstrual cycle and your (laughs) in particular, your, your own and beginning to understand certain times of the month, I'm going to be lower energy, certain times of the month, I'm going to be higher energy, certain times of the month, I'm going to feel, you know, extra sexy, whatever. And that's, it's, it's really beautiful to be able to be, again, going back to the intuition, to be in tune. And, and when there are outside sources, such as a uh, pharmaceutical pill with fake hormones in it, that's, that's like blocking your connection to yourself. And to me, that's the least female empowering thing ever, personally. Yeah. And it's, it's such, um, I think my voice is like going out right now. Lots of talking lately, lots of podcasts. Um, So, you know, it is, it's a touchy subject and, and I do really want all the listeners to know, like neither of us are judging. Um, Right. Neither of us are judging, but it's as women who it's also like directly impacted us, we are very justified and allowed to feel the emotions that we do. And I always encourage women that, right? Like feel those emotions, whether it is anger and rage at first, or it's just sadness or it's anxiety, right? Like I feel like I went through all of it. Same. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. And I do want to say, that perceived freedom is very different than true freedom. So it does seem like, you know, again, like going back to the idea that it's this miracle drug, like, oh, I'm spooky, right? Like I can have unprotected sex whenever I want. I'll never get pregnant, which again, it's not true. And any good doctor would make sure that they tell you that too, that it's not a hundred percent. But really thing that's a hundred percent is just not having penetrative sex, you know? Um in terms of preventing pregnancy. But right. I think where, where my like biggest issue is is when the pill is used to prescribe for hormone imbalances because 
that's what it's also causing, <laughs> you know? Right. And so counterproductive. It's so counterproductive. And also you have those women who go on hormonal contraceptive just purely to prevent pregnancy and had nothing going on beforehand. Or maybe they did a little bit, right? But the pill just made everything worse. And with hormonal issues on the rise, I see more and more women questioning whether the like control and air quoting control over contraception is worth the loss over the control of their health. And that's ultimately what we've gotten to is that so many of us feel out of control in other areas of our life and a huge one being our health. And so we just don't feel as well. And then we can't show up as work to, to work as well. We can't show up in our relationships and, you know, it's just like this overall feeling of just, you're just unsatisfied. You're not mm-hmm. happy. You don't feel great. And I do want to mention too, I would be remiss if I didn't say like, unfortunately, generally speaking, the pressure to prevent pregnancy as well as to get pregnant and to raise the kids has historically been and is still to varying degrees on the woman. So it still doesn't make the pill the best option, at, at least not for everyone. Um, but you know, that's where like that whole idea comes in and belief that if you don't want to get pregnant, you have to be on hormonal contraceptive. Yes. So I, I, um, want to jump in again for a second. I, I know someone, I don't want (laughs) to expose it, it too much, but they, they came to me and, um, told me that they heard about the fertility awareness method and they they said to me is is this real does this work and this person in particular i i i told her uh, it it does in fact you know that's the what i do you know i'm not on hormonal birth control um and she basically just expressed a lot of a lot of fear um, because it's, it's all she's, she's known is being on the birth control pill to prevent pregnancy. And at this time right now, she's very worried about getting pregnant and she, she, she doesn't have, I guess, like a lot of support and, but at the same time, she's having this intuitive pull to get off of the birth control pill. She she's not very much into holistic health or anything like that, but she's just having this intuition lately where she's like I feel like I need to get off of this, but she has so much fear. So I know this is kind of another big loaded question, but what would you say to her? Yeah, I get it all the time. Um and I see a lot of people in my private practice who are still on the pill or have an IUD inserted and they're not ready to make that leap quite yet. But even just seeing me, they're, they're, they're getting there, right? It's a journey for some people. It's a short journey for some people. It's a longer journey. So your friend, even by bringing it up to you, well, actually that's that, but even considering it herself, that's a huge step. That's the first step. But then going as far to tell you is so beautiful because it's again another like landmark on this journey that she's on. Mm-hmm. And I would say 
that while she's still on hormonal contraceptive to really start supporting herself, supporting her gut, supporting her liver, <clears throat> optimizing detoxification, using herbs, all the foundations as well. So sleeping enough each night, sleeping at the right times, really just getting into all of that. And it, it may require a session, an appointment with someone who's in this space, someone that they feel fully aligned with too. And really just getting, and maybe a few sessions, you know, whatever they need to feel comfortable. And then they'll know when it is the right time to stop birth control. And when they are ready to do so, again, to have someone in your corner, some, again, this practitioner of your choosing to support you through that is massive. And then I think I'm a huge advocate for this like fun addition, but mm -hmm. to treat yourself to a course or to a one-on-one -on -one with a coach, a fertility awareness method coach, because, and again, it should be someone that like you feel aligned with because everyone does teach it slightly differently. There's, you know, fertility awareness based methods, just picture it like an umbrella with like a bunch of poles sticking out, you know, there's a bunch mm -hmm. of things that fall under that umbrella. But finding someone, I have two really beautiful, amazing human beings that I call my friends who are educators. Um, <clears throat> and so you get to see them for, you know, a couple of sessions or maybe it's just one, you know, but to have someone support you in that, like, mm -hmm. that's what I feel like should be like, birthday presents, holiday presents, mm -hmm, like yes. all this stuff going on. I, I just feel like- And I, I think that's a good thing to do with your your uh, significant other as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because yeah. there is there is a lot of pressure, um, you know, not in all relationships, but in, you know, not only are the, the women um, sometimes lacking the education just because of our the way our society and the system and education and pharma and all that is set up, you know, it's no fault of the woman, but mm -hmm. at the same time, the men are even more in the dark. Like they have no clue. And I think they, and they don't have the intuition of, you know, let's say, you know, this person who expressed to me, they want to get off the pill. They're, they don't really know much, but they have this intuitive pull. And then their, you know, partner is just like, what? Like you've been on this for so long. Like that doesn't make any sense. So basically, um, I love those ideas. Of course, you know, we're, I always um, am, am in support of working with an expert, whether that's a hormonal health uh, practitioner or a fertility awareness method coach. Perhaps I could maybe link those in the show notes if you're comfortable yeah. sharing. Um, I'll share your info as well. Um, but also, what? I just want to add, no. yeah, reading books. I, think I was just going to say, what are more like cost yeah. effective things? And I yeah, know someone's yeah. going to say, well, I can't afford that right now. So yes, no, I, I'm like, wait a second, brain fart. First things first, I think you should just read books. And, but again, it goes back to everyone's on their own journey and like the time frame. Some people are like, I want to do this pretty quickly. I don't have the time or perhaps I don't have the interest to read a 400 page book <laughs> or you know so there are different things and that's why I love podcasts nowadays too yes your podcast is, would be an awesome resource yeah, just you know while you're cooking or cleaning or on a walk like just popping in some headphones or, or not and just listening to it you know on the speaker of your phone but books so some books that I recommend for like entry level like you know 
you haven't studied natural medicine, you're just getting into this stuff, you're super interested. I would say beyond the pill, if you are looking to get to stop hormonal contraceptive by Dr. Jolene Brighton, I would also recommend anything by Alyssa Vitti is really great. Uh, and I just want to add a little touch point to that, that cycle syncing. I know that there's some concern that cycle syncing is a little bit restrictive. And I've even heard some people, you know, perhaps even believe themselves that it's a glorified eating disorder. And so I would say with that, those books or any, any book, right? Like take everything with a grain of potassium and see how it oh, can fit. <laughs> see how it can fit realistically into your life. Because no matter what book you're going to read, you're reading it. And this doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing, but it's always going to be slightly biased. So like just, you know, really taking everything <clears throat> into consideration and realizing that you are a very unique individual. You have to find what makes sense for you and your life. Um, but that Absolutely. being said, I love Alyssa Vici's work and she's really a pioneer in the space of like really dedicated a lot of research, just time and energy to research for women. And awesome. especially for like our very unique metabolisms and how to work out and how to eat differently throughout our cycle, mm -hmm. not restricting, right? Not having right. that mentality, but more of like an addition mentality of like, how can I support myself more right now, right, depending right. on where I'm at in my cycle. <clears throat> and um, Do Less is a book that I love. It's not so much hormone related. Oh, um, I haven't uh, hormone Intelligence by Aviva Ram is a little bit newer than the two books or I guess three books that I just mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I think that is amazing. And Aviva is a, a midwife and an herbalist, also an MD. So Didn't you have her have, on your podcast recently? She's coming on in like actually a month from today, she will be on. So I'm guessing by the cool. time it like actually gets edited and released, it'll probably yeah. be like early couple, February. couple months. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. But she's, and these are great she's resources. Great. Yeah, she's really great. I actually, funny story. Um, we had connected before I left for Europe, and she was like, Well, yeah, like let's do podcasts. And I was like, Oh, I'm leaving for like an undetermined amount of time. But <laughs> right, right. I, I won't have my podcast make with me. Let's plan tentatively for like October. We get back. I reached back out in October and then Aviva, I love that she did this, but then she went to Portugal, which Brax and I, that's where we were for like the last like month of our trip. We were in Portugal. Oh my she gosh. went to Portugal and was taking a sabbatical. And I was like, yes, take it time for yourself. Also, Portugal's amazing. Highly recommend it. It's on my list. Wait, now I'm it's like, wait, maybe we, maybe we go there and this year. <laughs> But okay, I was but like cool. a little bummed. Yeah, I was a little bummed. So I was like, oh no, like, are we going to keep missing each other? And then I was on the call with my herbal team and, you know, hands down the youngest in there, not a bad thing, but like, I just, I really look up to them. They're my, they're my elders and mm -hmm. just so experienced. And, um, I really, the head of my, you know, herbal account in California goes, oh, I know Eva, we go way back. And I was like, so oh anyway, my gosh, what a small world. Such a small world, especially the herbal community is very small mm -hmm. and like are really looking out for each other too. So yeah. 
anyway, we connected again. We found each other through the hundreds of emails that we each get every single day. I'm sure her slightly more. Um, and so I will have her on my podcast and I'm super excited because she's a, has a very well-rounded approach. And that's why I love her book because it is all-encompassing. It's a long one for sure, but you can also get it on Audible. So, you know, you can be on yeah, walks listen and listen to, to it. it. I recommend like for people who listen to Audibles to always get the physical copy too, because then you can underline, you can go back and mm-hmm. underline, you can an- annotate the book. So yeah, um, keep it as like a resource. Say, yeah, totally. But I mean, I think that's all I would really recommend. I'm like looking back. At yeah. Like all of my I mean, if you here. think of any other ones too, I can always add them to the show notes, but these are awesome. I mean, I, yeah, I've from... read so many at this point. And I think that there's, uh, those are like the best for like, if you're getting into this space, I think everything else kind of like that I've read really yeah. takes like a very specific approach into various yeah. medicines and various approaches. Um, and, and I, I want to necessarily agree with everything mm-hmm. I was going to say but it's you know just uh I, I like reading I love reading I love hearing other people's perspectives and at the yeah. end of the day I decide if it resonates with me or not yeah take what um take what you can and, and leave what you don't want um what was I going to say I lost my train of thought but <laughs> um yeah this is a there's a wide range you know starting oh that's what I was going to say I want to just point people too to your podcast um, because your your podcast is such a wealth of information. So I'm going to link that in the show notes. But you know, various podcasts. In summary, various podcasts, books. If you want to go a little more advanced, one on one, consider working with a practitioner um, for that knows about holistic women's health. Or the fertility awareness method coach. I love that. that. Those are great, great options. So my next question regards a symptom or uh, I should say a side, si- effect. A side effect, yes, of <laughs> hormonal birth control. And that is, and perhaps this is uh, controversial, you know, everything's controversial these days. So it's like, whatever, let's just put it out there. The hormonal contraceptive alters mate selection due to pheromones. What are your thoughts on this? Can you unpack that a little bit? I mean, so my thoughts are, I've experienced it to be true myself. Um, Ooh, bombshell. Yes. <laughs> not with Braxton. Yeah. When I was in, and when I was in college, um, mm-hmm. yeah, it, you know, it, it definitely impacted me. So when I, you know, basically how I even got into this space in general, because I was, you know, taking care of myself. That was like a full-time job because of everything that I had been dealing with from a very young age. Birth control is really like the last bit to my journey that I really needed to get over like that hump in order to really start being like the tail end of my healing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I started questioning a lot of this because it was the only medication that I was still taking at the time because I also just so happened to be invited to this really awesome women's lunch meetup. And 
just so happened to like everything happens for a reason, right? Absolutely. Like, extract, Absolutely. Like, you know, extract reason from everything happening that happens to you. So I'm mm-hmm. sitting there. I got there kind of late to the lunch and the only spot open was the spot that I ended up taking. And I happened to be right by these two women who were having their own conversation. And one was talking about how she was stopping the pill because she was convinced that it was the the cause of all of her issues that she'd been experiencing. Mm. And then she's talking about how she's reading this book and she even picked it up and it was Beyond the Pill by Dr. Norman Bright. And she's talking about all this. And I wasn't actually a part of that conversation. I was just hearing it. And oh my I remember looking to the girl to my, she was to my left. And I said, is the pill bad? And she was like, yeah, but like, I'm on it too for convenience. Like I would rather just be on it and not be pregnant. And I was like, I remember specifically saying like, okay, yeah, me too. But then like, I just couldn't stop thinking about it. And I was almost like scared to even do more research because I knew, I knew intuitively, you know, mm-hmm. that it was, mm-hmm. it was doing weird things inside my body. I wasn't ovulating. I wasn't having a period, but I'd have like this weird synthetic bleed every, you know, few months. And mm-hmm. I knew I was, you know, I had yeah. a, a deep intuition, but I was scared. I was scared yeah. because I was like, yeah, the resistance makes sense. Yeah. I was like, mm-hmm. ready to, to really stop this. But my, my saying of that is that it's very powerful when you put women together, we will talk, especially if we're not yes. feeling well, we will talk. Yes. And then we'll also really talk about things that help us, which is why, you know, I've been able to sell out of my herbal remedies so many times without running any ads because women talk, you know, they right. talk and they tell each other. So I remember, you know, asking some of my girlfriends if they experienced the negative effects of their contraceptive as well. And the answer was yes. And I asked if they didn't want to have sex with their partner, even if they really loved them. And the same Mm -hmm. answer was yes. And I think you sometimes feel repulsed by that, you know, so Mm -hmm. it was always... No, you were doing your own research. I was, I was, Mm -hmm. but we do actually have research now. Um, And so the pill specifically messes with our hormones by introducing synthetic hormones. And our hormones are so important because they help us to interact with the world. They impact how, of all the things that they do, which are so many, so many, they impact how we perceive others and how others perceive us. Uh, So that obviously impacts our romantic relationships a lot. And um, when you're not on hormonal contraceptive and you're ovulating, your body goes through this biochemical hunt for mm-hmm. a an adequate reproductive partner every month, so to say. So we're primed to be attracted to partners whom we are genetically dissimilar because that lowers the chance of miscarriage and increases the likelihood of having a healthy baby. It also tends mm-hmm. to make for more satisfying sex and happier relationships that we see. Um, mm-hmm. and so, I and, love these facts, Maddie. And so pheromones are chemical messengers released by the body. And research shows that women's pheromones can act as a sort of, like they literally call it in the study, a love potion. Mm-hmm. which when they are released by increasing mm-hmm. a person's attraction to a woman. So we also have studies showing that the pill stops the production of these attraction enhancing pheromones that women secrete that therefore may have negative consequences on your romantic and sexual life. So also we see just, and I mentioned this before that hormonal birth control, the pill also suppresses sex drive and lowers mood in general, which really impacts 
not just romantic relationships, but also your friendships and Mm -hmm. how you show up to work or school or whatever it is. Like our hormones, again, help us interact with the world and vice versa. Um, They are pure magic. (laughs) They are. They are. So yeah, that's my answer. That's like what we have. Like the research. I was actually telling my friend earlier this morning who I helped her get pregnant. Uh, I, oh. I helped her come off the pill initially, and then I helped her get pregnant. And so um, I, I won't say who it is, um, not that anyone would perhaps know her, but it's still mm-hmm. secret. But she, you know, we've just been talking because she's like, it's crazy, Maddie, how negative like the pregnancy community is. How everyone's like, it's like the worst time ever. You're going to be bloated and oh, uncomfortable know. and nauseous. And she's like, I feel fine like mm-hmm. genuinely and she's like I think it's because I did so much work with you beforehand and I was yeah. like it's like a yes and right because I was mm-hmm. telling her because she's asking me like you know do you think that these women who are getting so nauseous and getting really sick is it because they didn't you know do all the prep work beforehand I was like it could be but like the thing about women is that we have such limited research right especially for pregnant women because they're seen when we're pregnant, we're seen as even riskier test subjects. We're already seen right. as risky test subjects because they're like, <laughs> oh, they have hormones that yeah, we're complicated. Month. And I'm like, we have such a beautiful, consistent fluctuation of our hormones when regulated, mm-hmm. way more predictable than men's, but sure, why not? Well, that is just a <laughs> belief that feeds into like the very patriarchal, you know, mentality. Yeah. Um, but that being said, you know, revert like connecting this back to like the does this really impact you know our mate selection and from what the limited research that we do have yes we see that it does mm-hmm. um and does that mean though that if you're on birth control and you meet your person that you're just not going to like them when you hop off not necessarily like i'm not saying that at all mm-hmm. It's just something to consider. Yeah, it's something to consider. It's like we actually do have like the hard fact science now. But you know, going back to what I said at the beginning of this episode, like before we even had that science to confirm what we've already all been feeling, Mm -hmm. we already knew. You know, like it's like we felt it ourselves. So um, that is my answer to that question. Thank you. you. Do see that it does impact? Um, but I also, you know, I don't want anyone to be like, oh, I need to like break up with my boyfriend right now. Like, you know, everyone's different and the way that the pill or your hormonal contraceptive is, is interacting with your system, it's going to slightly vary too. So please do not go break up with your (laughs) on my behalf. Yeah. You just, you really, it's just being aware and, you know, I, I think that the more that we can all support and love each other and like deliver this in a loving way, the better, because the last thing that we need and that society needs like as a whole mm-hmm. is for women to start going after each other because oh, we're yeah. already in a compromised state because hormone imbalances and issues are on the rise. We're seeing increased rates in endometriosis and PCOS mm-hmm. and all of these things that like we're just not and toxin exposures on the rise yeah, which like impacts that, you know, it 50 plus years ago it just was not uh, the numbers weren't as high so we're already in a very delicate state we need to support each other and you know by coming at each other by being like you know the birth control pill does this and the other person's like no it doesn't like 
we have to realize too that, you know, if you, for example, are on the pill, I was very, I was super open, open-minded, but like I mentioned before, I was scared, you know, like I was scared to know all that, that pill that I had been taking more or less on a daily basis for the last six years I was really frightened to know what it was doing to me. And I still have to work that much harder at my health fast forward, you know, years later after stopping, just because like it did a number on me. But again, like, you know, my body is different compared to each person listening to this. So, you know, the pill may have uh, done an, a, a greater number on them, or it may have just done like a slightly less, you know, number on them. So, but yeah, to, like simply put in conclusion, we do see that it does impact mate selection. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, Maddie. That that was really beautifully said. And I love that you even just like emphasize that. Yes, these are this, this is the data. And also, you know, you had anecdotal evidence too through your own experience and through, you know, studying your friends and things like that. But yeah, I like that you just reminded people that don't freak out. Like, it's okay. This is just data, information to consider and to perhaps be mindful of. Um, And, you know, you also had mentioned that I think it was a friend of yours had expressed that the the pregnant community or whatever, whatever we want to call it, um, is, is quite negative. And, you know, I've experienced that too with some people in my life that, you know, they express a lot of concern about getting pregnant one day, even when they're ready, they're like, I just, I don't want my body to change and I don't want to look different and I don't want to get morning sickness and I don't want the pain of birth and I don't want all this. And it's like so, so negative. But it's like, wait, we've been doing this since the beginning of time. And, you know, like pregnancy, it's not a new thing. And our our bodies are actually built to... um develop and change through throughout the course of pregnancy but um to your point you know there's a lot of different kind of quote unquote threats to our systems these days that that bring our bodies into this this more imbalanced state so it's very important to to get into balance and also to get in tune with your body and also i think just on that level of um beyond the physical Get, getting in tune with your body, really, really spiritually speaking, um, especially, you know, leading up to birth. Um, I think that would be a whole different conversation. And I I don't feel um, totally comfortable even talking about it because, you know, I have not given birth yet. I have not uh, been pregnant with child. But, you know, one day down the road that that's something... I'm I'm going on a rant here. Sorry, but basically our bodies are meant to give birth and develop and in the sense that even when you're giving birth like you, everything relaxes and you know there's all these myths out there. Well, you're going to tear and it's going to be disgusting and you're going to be loose and like blah blah blah. It's like like, can we change the mindset here? Again, separate subject. I just had to throw in my two cents there about the the negativity and just emphasize that there 
is there are quite a bit of positives. I think it's just our society has kind of ingrained in us that we should fear pregnancy in the sense that, you know, when we want to get pregnant, we should fear what what our happens to our bodies when our bodies are going to be okay. They're built to do this. Absolutely. And I have a few notes on that. You know, I see it from a few different perspectives of like from coming from myself as someone who suffered with anorexia and body dysmorphia. I think that that's definitely a part of the conversation too of like the society that tells women that we have to be like skinny and sexy and like, you know, and then we feel, even if it's like a subconscious feeling, we feel bad when we can't show up in that way. And so when you then throw in like, oh, well, now you're going to grow a human in you and like grow your stomach. And then you're going to have to bounce right back afterwards and lose all that weight or else your husband's not going to want you. Like oh, there's so many narratives no. that are at play that are cycle in our society. So that's a huge part of it. Right. But I, I think that another big part of it, too, is that we've evolved so much from like our primal days, which is why I kind of you know, it's, it's a balance, right? Like, I think there are a lot of things that really serve us on like a health level, like a biochemical level, but there are some things that like we've evolved from, right? Like, I mean, we Mm -hmm. go to the bathroom and toilets now we don't like go Mm -hmm. outside. And like, that's why I kind of like joke with like, (laughs) even some of like the Instagram accounts that like Braxton follows. It's like, you know, and he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, he's not a carnivore, but it's like, you know, only eat liver and organs and like mm-hmm. crap outside and it's like all this stuff that like I'm like no nah, there's a balance <laughs> there's a for sure but in saying that like we've come so far from those primal days and some things you know like perhaps when you know because I uh, it's probably more this I can see where like you know I don't think that every woman it's like our duty to like have children either. Um, I do want children. It's take, it, it's definitely like a brain hump though that I have to get through of like, you know, I have those thoughts come in and it's like, you're going to grow so big and it's like, but it's okay. Like, you know, I, I genuinely do want to like raise mini me's with my partner. Um, yeah. But, you know, I, because Braxton actually asked me a few weeks ago, he's like, do you think, you know, all women are, are meant to do this like to be moms and I was like well, I don't think so like our society is just so different nowadays and, and even back in like the primal days like if you look at like herbal text and everything there were like the the medicine women or like the astrological women so like there were mm-hmm. even like back then when it was very like small community-based everyone had their role not every not every woman was actually having children so you know like I think that's what some people just fail to they like think that you know back in the day it was like if you were a woman you had to have the children if mm. you're a man you you know you were out hunting whereas like there's a there are like there are nuances to that either totally so, yeah you know I do think that like, in today's society especially where like you know that this is another conversation for another time you know and it's up to each individual whether they perceive this as like a positive or a negative thing but women are taking on a lot of like 
masculine energy as well. And when I talk about masculine feminine energies and most people, when they talk about it, they're not talking about like actual gender, right? It's just energy. It's simply energy. We have both of the energies in us. It's just like, you know, I've, I've had to work on like not being in my masculine so much, which is like just getting shit done, simply put. Yeah. We were and just talking yeah, about that. Mm-hmm. Like coming back into like my feminine where I can actually like rest and heal mm-hmm. more has been very nourishing for me in this part of my life at at the moment that I'm living in. And um, so anyway, in this society, you know, I think that just values have changed a lot too. Again, I'm just saying what I see. I'm not saying that whether I agree with it or not, but I think that, you know, a lot of women are like, I don't want to have kids because I want to go crush it in the corporate world, you know, and work my way up that ladder. And then maybe I'll have kids later on, but things are just so different nowadays, Mm -hmm. you know, and it's very different depending on like where you're at in like the country and in the world, it's even different in, you know, Austin, Texas compared to like, you know, two hours outside in rural Texas, you know, like everything's just so, so, so different. And so I have so much grace for that, but, you know, and I know that this is a a question that you had and like a lot of people do is like, well, if I never want to have kids or maybe I do, but like not right now, it's not in my five or perhaps even 10 year plan, then why does it even matter? Why does fertility even matter? And fertility and reproductive health always matter, you know, Mm -hmm. like, yes, our body is going through this process every month of like potentially, you know, procreating and carrying on life. But nonetheless, like, you know, that's a huge byproduct of it. But also like, there's so many beneficial byproducts that happen from ovulation. Mm -hmm. It's how we make our hormones. And it's, you know, the only way, it's the only way to make estradiol and progesterone, which are beneficial for our mood and our energy and our libido, our insulin response, our thyroid, skin, hair, like literally everything, like the secret right, powers of right. ovulation are real. And so, you know, I would even say for my ladies who are like, I never want kids. Like my goal is to, you know, just be a baller and crush it in my career. And I'm like, go you like, that's awesome. You know, as long as you're healthy and happy, like, go Mm -hmm. for it. But, you know, like, make sure that you're healthy. And like, by ovulating, you'll achieve those dreams even better and easier. You'll be less time spent in the doctor's office because you feel tired all the time and your hair is falling out and, you know, you're gaining weight. Like, Mm -hmm. you're just going to feel like this fire goddess that we all deserve to feel like. And Mm -hmm. whatever your goals and intentions are for your life, you'll be able to achieve them so much better because your hormone health and your ovulatory and menstrual health are all at par. And when those are all healthy too, there's signs that everything else is going well within your body. So your gut health is great. Your liver health, your kidneys, your adrenals, your brain, everything is just working like this beautiful orchestra that it, that it should be doing. So, um, and also, you know, I would even say for like my ladies who really care about their, their physical health and like love working out and being strong, like that's a beautiful thing too of like, you know, women just like actually wanting to feel strong, like mm-hmm. these frail, weak people. Mm-hmm. But, you know, then I would say, well, like our monthly dose dose of estradiol promotes muscle gain. 
um, and insulin sensitivity and like the long-term health of your bones and your brain and your cardiovascular system. So, you know, our hormones have so many beautiful and very vital roles. That's why our cycle is called a vital sign. It's considered a vital sign, like yes. the gravity of that, like everyone just let that sit with Fifth you. Fifth vital sign. It's very the important. The menstrual cycle. And yeah. And also our monthly dose of progesterone that comes after ovulation. So we need to ovulate in order to get all of that progesterone. It reduces inflammation. It regulates your immune function. It supports your thyroid and your brain and your bones and your breast tissue. So, so many benefits, people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The benefits Whether you want to get pregnant or not, support totally. your menstrual health. Totally. So yeah, um, the benefits of, of ovarian hormones are for both the short-term and long-term health. Um, so mm-hmm. short-term, just by making women just stronger, stronger and healthier and happier, and then long-term by building metabolic reserve and health. And um, I also I'll drop this with you too, but uh, that you can link up in the show notes. Sure. But um, there's a, an endocrinology professor, and her name's Geraldine, and she's Canadian. And she said to that, you know, women benefit from 35 to 40 years of ovulatory cycles, but like not just for, wow. for fertility, but also to prevent osteoporosis, stroke, dementia, heart disease, breast cancer, these really heavy things, right? Yeah. That we see yeah. are increasing. So it's not just fertility; it's for it's for the whole shebang. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and wow. yeah I, I'll send that to you later Please that do. you can link it up but um thank you yeah. Maddie this is it's, it's very incredible. important and you know again like how are we expected to know any of this if we're not taught which mm-hmm. we're not so um that People is like where you. yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh this has been so awesome you are such a wealth of information regarding women's health and hormones and and all the things and i just love 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 your energy do you do you have any closing thoughts resources things you want to share to this part two episode yes i would just say to encourage everyone to just be informed and empowered and to to follow me would be amazing and listen to my podcast but most importantly, just to like love yourself and confide in your loved ones and just have that like great support system because with like the love that you have for yourself and having a great community around you, anything is possible, including your health and well-being. Beautiful. Well, thank you again. This was awesome.